Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. Hey guys, stay tuned to the very end of this podcast and you'll hear a super exclusive interview with Scott Ockerman conducted by our friend Eddie Sharp. If you don't know how Scott Ockerman relates to this movie, he plays Austin Powers and Dr. Evil's dad in a flashback sequence. Enjoy the podcast, guys. It's my check, it's my check, the podcast by Mike Myers. Hello, horny babies, and welcome to another shagadelic episode of Mike Check with Cameron James and Alexi Toliopoulos, the only podcast where two comedians go through the entire filmography of Mike Myers. Just to check if it's good or if it is not good. And so far, pretty cool. It's actually been pretty cool so far. Uh, my name's Alexis Toliopoulos. With me, as always, is... Hey, man, I'm Cameron James. And uh, <laughs> I like to call our discollective groups of people man now. That's my new thing. Hey, yeah. man, I'm Cameron James. I'm part of this show. I love Mike Myers. We're doing a very special episode today, dare yes. I say it. You dare... And who dares wins, and baby, you're a winner. <laughs> this is exciting because this is the first time we've had to do a two-parter for something. We, a few weeks ago... Well, not necessarily two. We've done two episodes on Zoe Meredith <laughs> and Wayne's World. But so. they're not necessarily strict two-parters. Okay. I mean, this is the same cast coming yep. back again Okay, to discuss unfinished business. Yes. So a few weeks ago, we watched Austin Powers in Goldmember. Yes. Previously, formerly known as Austin Powers in Austin Pussy. Yes. And <laughs> it was a highly controversial episode. A lot of things were said. A lot of craziness was out there. And a lot of muck. We mucked around a lot. And we came to no real conclusion yes. as to whether it was a good or bad film. And we talked for almost... Only an hour and a half about this film, and we did. It's only ninety minutes. We didn't quite cover everything that we need to talk about. Austin Powers in Goldmember. So we decided to bring the Goldmember foursome back together again. 
the swinging Dutchmen themselves. <laughs> we brought. Please welcome back to the podcast, Tom Walker and Michael Hing. Yay! Guys, oh. thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having us. I- I'm curious to know what the uh, what the controversy in the previous episode was. Was there was there listener like was was there feedback? Was no. the fact that Beyonce yeah. was almost certainly underage? <laughs> Maybe that was me. Ma- that was the main thing union? that we heard was people going. Yeah, it is gross And we now found out That Beyonce maybe was 12 <laughs> When they hooked up When she got a taste of the honey But now she wants the whole beehive baby <laughs> So what do you think it, That's what we're going to talk about For one hour today Is just that So <laughs> Just that very uncomfortable subject yeah. matter In the Austin uh, Powers timeline continuum So Michael What do you think a taste of honey meant? Oh. <laughs> just kidding guys We're going to talk about daddy issues Yay <laughs> Guys, let's get into it. Let's start talking about Austin Powers in Goldmember. He defeated evil. (laughs) He overcame huge obstacles. And he tracked trouble to its source. Frisky, are we? (laughs) This summer... Isn't it time for a little Austin Powers? Three, two, Two, one. one. I love gold. (laughs) (laughs) So Austin Powers is back in Goldmember. He's found his mojo, baby. And now Austin is back again in this shagadilly comedy adventure. The shh. Hits the fan when Dr. Evil and Mini-Me escape from prison. Wow, I can't believe you read the whole synopsis again. (laughs) That's very dedicated of you. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, Daddy Issues. Daddy wasn't there. Daddy, Daddy, (laughs) Daddy. This movie is about daddies. It is. And and can we give a bit of context for for, for Mike Myers uh, and his daddy issues, right? Mm -hmm. So we we touched on it a bit last episode, which is his dad had got Alzheimer's. He's yeah. What's that? His father. His father. Uh, very very, very tragic. He got uh, Alzheimer's in yeah. the late 1980s. Yes. And then after that, Mike's comedy career, it's just him searching for approval in father figures. And yes. it, is, it sort of reaches its zenith in this movie because in this movie, he literally hires a man to play a character's lost father he, to come back. He not only does that, but in this movie, I would say it is at its absolute peak because the movie ends with both of Mike's most popular characters up to that point being reunited and appreciated by their father. (laughs) There's only one father, but Mike manages to be appreciated by him and loved by him twice. (laughs) Do you think it would have been cool if Wayne Campbell also came into the scene? Yeah, because you've never seen Wayne's dad before. Maybe Nigel's like, this is my other son from the 90s. I, I didn't like, sure. I didn't stop shagging when you were in frozen prison, Austin. I've been shagging in Illinois, Aurora. <laughs> yeah, he's been shagging. <laughs> is that your what is that? Is your Wayne? Yeah, man, it's me, <laughs> Wayne Campbell. From ah, oh, from the film Wayne's World. Oh wow! I wow. love Alice Cooper. Is this a weird dub? This is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the film. <laughs> so. Michael touched on it before, but let's talk about Mike and Spike, who is Spike Myers is Mike Myers 
real life Faja. Yeah, and Spike Myers. Spike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think I read somewhere he was a military man. Yes, mm. he was. He was from Liverpool, England. He had mm-hmm. served in the army, and then they moved to Canada, and they raised a beautiful family of little Myers. Now, I have been reading a book yes. called Mike Myers Canada. I just finished it. Alexi has read and has given on to me to read, and there is it's pretty much all about. Uh, Eric, a.k.a. Spike Myers. And you get a good sense of the guy, even in the first chapter of this book, that Spike Myers was a jokester. Mm. And he also, fun fact, loved to speak in Cockney rhyming slang. Yes. That's more of a London thing than a Liverpool thing, right? I think he picked it up in the service. service. So is he doing it ironically or is he doing it as a... a, a, Was Mike's dad doing it ironically? (laughs) Oh, you know what? It's strange. That didn't really come up in the book Mike wrote about his dad. No, my dad was a real jerk. He was doing everything ironically. No, because like, for example, my grandparents grandparents would do Cockney rhyming slang Mm. as like a funny joke because obviously they are... Chinese people living in Sydney, Australia. So why would they do that? <laughs> well, I and I wondered the extent to which a person from Liverpool would also find it ironic and funny that they were doing this thing that is from London. But I don't know. Well, I think what we learned from Mike through the book Canada and through the film Goldmember, starring Austin Powers, is that Mike doesn't do that much irony. Can <laughs> I? He's quite a sincere guy, and I think that his father or his Faja. Faja, Faja, if you will, uh, used this quite sincerely as a way to kind of keep in touch with his cultural heritage being from England. He may not have been directly from the Cockney area, East London, to be sure, to be sure. (laughs) Uh, To kind of bring the cultural, a sense of cultural awareness to his family of like, they do have a, a rich cultural history outside of Canada. From what I'm gathering from what I've read of the book so far, uh, Spike Myers didn't like living in Canada mm. and tried to keep their home basically like the UK. So yeah. they had, they watched Coronation Street and they had yeah. like football memorabilia all over the walls. And, everything. and he used to speak in rhyming slang, I guess. Yeah, like you're saying, to almost maintain a sense of home. Mm. It, it, Mike Myers is quite a football fan as well, isn't he? He, has, he supports, there's a team I think he supports. That's such a vague fan. Yeah. <laughs> there is a team He's a sports fan. He loves the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, he does. Yeah, I remember that's what I read. But but also, I read somewhere that his dad was really into British comedies, like mm. your, your Monty Pythons, etc. And so, yep. carry on. Watching, watching all of them. All of, all of that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the Python dude? I don't know. Well, who, who, he's, he's probably shit. I hate him. <laughs> you know Monty Python isn't the name of the comedian It's not one guy yeah. It's one guy doing, whole group. Bro you've got to get into them really? Honestly you know who I hate I'll that, educate you I hate that Faulty Towers guy Man <laughs> It's just like Mate you, How faulty can one tower be Get yeah. over it mate Get over it Run a proper hotel <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why did you get Hello, into- my name's Faulty Towers and I'm wearing a dress. <laughs> You're a bad hotelier, Faulty. He's, he's not the hotel. He's a, a bigger hotel. See, that's the kind of comedy. <laughs> I, got, I got a book of, uh, like, the, the thing that got me, like, really into British comedy was this book I got of sketches by Peter Cook, who I really loved. But it was... Uh, reading back on it now, it's incredible how many of the sketches from like, you know, in the 60s when review style humour was kind of coming into mm. its own in England. It's just every sketch is man having disagreement with 
<laughs> with shopkeep. <laughs> yeah, that was still one of that. it's just page after page, <laughs> and it's different things of like a tailor being like, "Well, yes, sir, the sleeves are meant to come off the shirt, meant to come off." I've never heard such nonsense. <laughs> and you turn the page, and it's like, "Well, yes, sir, this house is meant to fall down, meant to fall down." <laughs> like, I mean, that's just like all comedy dates really badly, like <laughs> across the board. Like, can you imagine people looking back at this time or like 2007 or whatever, and they'll just be like, "Oh." Sketch comedy back then was just like, yeah, that would that that is what it would be like if Hitler was on oh, Facebook. Yeah. I you guess know? you can say come as much as you want. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, I guess Mike Myers did it was a the genre of comedy podcast. Like Oh, back in the day when it was okay to be racist to Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that, that, Before that, the happening. <laughs> we, we are digressing from Mike's dad, but that's yeah. just something that com- keeps coming up every time I think about this mm. movie. It's just how badly comedy dates. Like mm. it doesn't matter how much you enjoyed at the time. And I worry for, for what I do. <laughs> mm. <laughs> for what all of us do. But I think what we all do is timeless. <laughs> right? I bet everyone said that. I bet even when Peter Cook was writing those sketches, he was like, I reckon men in wigs will, will always be cool. It's always going to be funny, dude. A man pretending to be a woman, that's silly, that's crazy, that's cool. <laughs> that's funny. The footy show is still doing it, still relevant. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I say we should bring back the Biff. Let's fight dudes. <laughs> it's honestly not just a show about footy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's about Australia first, obviously. <laughs> oh God! Anyway, so, so Mike, Mike Myers. So Spike. Mike is the biggest. Spike is the biggest influence for Mike in his entire life. He loves his father. His father loves him. They have a great relationship. His father is a big influence on him, showing him all this comedy stuff. And there's a great story in the book where I think it kind of perfectly encaptures how important his father was to him. Uh, when Mike went to America to study at the Second City, uh, he was taught by Del Close, very famous improviser. Tom, oh. you, can you agree to that? Yeah. Yes, and... Sorry. Michael, you're, great thank you punch for up. showing us great how that works. Punch up ping. That was great. <laughs> so he invent- I didn't say that because I just... <laughs> No, just an hour ago I thought of it But then Not an hour ago It was posted in a group I'm in That is Things that are hack oh, <laughs> yeah. Someone posted Any use of the phrase Yes and When yeah. making fun of improv yeah. I, I don't think it's that hack Because it's making fun of The hack thing Well here we improv. are It's fine to disagree So he spoke to <laughs> Mr. Del Close And Del Close Was talking about The importance Of comedy and humour In everyday people Out there And he used an example Of a time Where he was in Canada And he met a very funny Liverpudlian man and he was like that's uh that that guy was one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life and then Mike raised his hand says excuse me Mr. Close may I speak and he said Mr. Myers you may and then he said that's my father what yeah now was Mike lying at this point no that was real that was his real dad his dad had interaction with Del Close and then... Unless he, Mike lied in the book. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if he's a reliable guy. Dell has been... He's been waiting for Dell to die. <laughs> <laughs> so he can finally be like abstract a compliment enough that he's like, the most famous improviser in the world thought my father was funny. So it's clear that he has at the very least gotten a lot of his comedy love from his father. Mm. And this movie... I'm trying to... I watched it again. Uh, I actually watched it twice in the last yes. 24 hours. Uh, no bragging guys no, We've all seen sorry, Gold Member Multiple times yeah. In the last I was telling these boys Before in the last Two years I've seen 800 movies 
and I've seen gold member probably 12 times in the last two <laughs> years as well. Wait, do you count that as 12 times or... Just eight? 12 movies. I'm only counting that as one movie. Okay, okay, okay. So, it's incredible how much time you have mm. when everything else in your life is on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, gold member improves by watching it just... Lots of times in a it, very short space of time. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting Stockholm Syndrome for this movie. But I was, trying to, to I was trying to figure out what exactly the struggle between Austin and Nigel is in mm. this movie. Because we know that they have had a falling out and that they have a tense relationship. But it's pretty vague on what the details of it are. You know, mm. like, not, Daddy wasn't there is the, the catch cry for it. But mm. why? Like, where, is it ever explored why Nigel wasn't interested in his son? Or like, I, I, oh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's implied that he was away doing spy business. Spying. Yeah. And, living, and living that sort of... That heathen, yep. you know, yeah. pussy loving. Yeah. The guy he was shagaholic. What can we yeah, say? He yeah, loves exactly. to shag. Well, and, 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 and that also brings up the fact that he is a sexual competitor for Austin Powers in this film. Mm. So yes. There's a weird dynamic there. Well, mm. yeah, the tragedy of this is he is exactly the father that Austin would be. Mm-hmm. You know, Nigel, in his neglect, has made himself a smaller and just as neglectful Nigel. But a mini-me, if you will. But that's, <laughs> but that's the other thing. I mean, in terms of, like, cultural revolution, like, the advent of the pill, right, leads to, like, you know, women having choice in abortion. Sexual and revolution. And exactly. And, and so, and so <laughs> Austin Powers is far less likely to have a child, right? So it, sure. it ends. It's like, what, what, what are you laughing about, Tom? I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> oh, no. what is in the cultural context? I'm definitely right? like, laughing at Cameron James saying the word sexual revolution. <laughs> I've done a paper on it. <laughs> I, well, I guess what I'm saying is Come like, see my show. It's all about <laughs> gender politics. Cameron James, 88. I'm at Perth Fringe, Brisbane Comedy Festival, Melbourne Comedy Festival. What are your bits? Run us through your bits. Um, abortion, yay or nay. <laughs> and where hey do you guys, land on I'll let the audience decide. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you let them decide whether it's I okay I have or another not. bit called I'll Listen to You, where I just get all the women in the crowd to talk. And I just listen. So that's a- one of my favorite bits of yours, actually. <laughs> Would you I- say you're an ally? Yeah, that's what I close on. Okay. I saw Cam do one of the bravest bits of crowd work I've <laughs> ever seen, yeah. which is he just was like, he did the classic, oh, what do you do for work? Uh, but he did it to a woman. And when she replied, all he did was say, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walked off stage. <laughs> just twirling the mic <laughs> as he walks off. Oh, a real young man. Gross. But I think as well, if we're looking at this through the lens of Spike Myers, so the, the sad thing about this movie that kind of bummed me out this time was um, not just Fat Bastard in the movie, but there's other things that made me sad, was just uh, that Mike's dad was always there for him until he wasn't, when, he's, when he kind of succumbed into the darkness of Alzheimer's. Mm. And that was when Mike Myers started achieving the greatness that would become... You know, the guy that made Shrek five times. You know, that guy. <laughs> so it was him. It was it was when he got SNL. It was when... Yeah. Uh, that's when he really wasn't there. He was kind of... Couldn't really communicate with his father. And this movie is about how his dad is not there for all his achievements. So, and he really wants to make his dad proud. So I think his dad... He never... Mike never ne- needed his dad's uh, acceptance because his dad was always so in love with him and so proud of him all the time until it was when that he could actually go out there on his own and achieve greatness. So the reason you're sad is because 
Austin has reconnected with his father, but we know, due to our metatextual knowledge, that Nigel is going to, within a month or so, develop severe Alzheimer's. No, no, no. It's that that this film is about... Oh, my goodness. Is that what you're saying? No, no, No. that's not at all what I'm saying, dude. Okay, cool. You are dumb and bad. Yeah, have you ever had a conversation before, dude? Because you're not picking up anything that I said. No, so you're saying that, like, the father in the film will definitely be the same as the father in the film? No, 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 sir. What I'm saying is the father in the film... Just was like never there for trend. any of his achievements. Mm. And that's interesting because it's like, because obviously had to abstract his grief and put it onto something mm. more palatable, um, which is the deadbeat dad now. A horny dude. Having another horny boy around. Dad. Yeah. How, how horny are your dads, Tom? <laughs> well, don't make me pick just one, Michael. <laughs> I'll rank them in order from most horny to least horny. I won't do that because my dad, I found out, listened to the last podcast. <laughs> I got a text from my mum that said, Father listening to your podcast about Goldmember. I'm half listening. Don't really understand it. He says parents, it's good. Why did your parents listen to this show? I don't, so so Mr. Walker, if you're listening, how horny are you? <laughs> Don't tweet, at right tweet, tweet at us. At Tom Walker is good. Let your boy know. Don't how tweet horny at you me. Are. Tweet it. I am Cameron James. Yeah, dad. I'll, I'll take it. I'll pass it on to Tom. I'll screenshot it. Tom's dad is great. Tom's dad is on Twitter and will occasionally tweet nice reviews about Tom's work. Oh, oh really? Very that is really nice. That is nice. <laughs> well. Tom's My dad, dad has one of those Twitter. egg accounts where he tells me to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just every now and again. He makes new ones every yeah. now and again. My dad has burner phones. Yeah. <laughs> me the Just to cut. troll me. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine having a horny dad that was so horny that like... He was always trying to root the girl you were into as well. Like, Nigel here really reminds me of Shane Warne. <laughs> yeah, I reckon Imagine, this is how it feels. Nigel had a fucking warning. text. Like if he could text, yeah, he'd be unstoppable. He's got a real warning vibe. But when he's talking to Beyonce, who I will remind listeners is nineteen years old, twenty. All right, sure, maybe, but, but certainly twelve when they first met. Certainly, yes. <laughs> Nigel is talking to her like she, like she's Mae West. Like he's mm. just like. He's a real charmer. Yeah, he's really hitting all the hard-hitting notes that a Shagadelic spy would hit. And it's... It's charming. The guy's got a way about himself. (laughs) What what do we know about this actor? Would you say this is Sadadelic? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. What do we know about the actor who plays uh, Mike's dad in this film? Michael Caine. What, is he like a famous guy or what's his deal? Yes, Michael Caine is actually one of the world's most famous men. Really? He starred in many movies from the 1960s. Was he in Monty Python? No, he was in a series called The Ipcrest File, Mm -hmm. which is a spy movie from the 1960s, (laughs) which was probably the biggest inspiration for Austin Powers next to James Bond, Peter Sellers. Yeah, because that's where Mike Myers gets the glasses from apparently it's true mm. anyway <laughs> I wasn't have you already talked about that what are you what I'm just watching you feed coins into the Alexi bot <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think I, I'm curious about this what yep. do you think Mike is trying to do through this film. Is he trying to purge the anger he felt towards his father for no, um, for, for you know disintegrating mentally? Because there's a line in there where he says uh, to his dad, "I didn't need a friend. I needed a father." Does he feel? Does Mike feel that his dad was more of a buddy than a dad? Oh to my him? god, oh, Jesus! He may have. <laughs> That's so scary. <laughs> 
Well, it's a line. I can't there. believe you've Look watched this film twelve times and you're still having <laughs> it's like, a revelation. If only I could decode this. That is yeah. literally a line. In the <laughs> well, you know the great works. You see it and you learn something new every time. But and this, this isn't like you're going deeper in text. You're just not even like <laughs> it's not even subtext. It's text. No, it's- it's it's not what's the what's like it's like an uber text it's yeah. like it's like above the text it's, a man, it's not but, even written it's a man just yelling in it in fact, at your I face. I heard that he handed in the script um, printed on just the backs of photos of his dad. <laughs> now, but what, what about in terms of Mike's career? Yeah. Where Wait. does he go after Goldmember? Right after this, is it, sadly, that's starts, right? sadly he goes on to uh, Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat, <laughs> Shrek. But but Shrek was the, already happening. Yeah, right. Shrek had just started, but he Shrek. goes deeper into Shrek. He goes, he goes real deep into Shrek. Love he does Guru like, as well. Love, Love Guru is after this. So, but th- those films do not deal with the daddy stuff. As, as, as like this is where it Shrek really has fits. got no father. Yeah, Shrek's got no mum, no dad. So, He's just a beast out in the world. It really does suggest that artistically he does purge this kind I of like feeling. And, and thoughts. We've well, talked about this. We've talked that Shrek is Shrek represents where Mike was at that time in his yeah. life because he just wanted to be left alone because mm. he put. Everything out there. Did he write Shrek? No. no, but it was written for. It was rewritten for him. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. and there's also. I think this may be him, like definitively dealing with his father issues in this film because the next one he made, Cat in the Hat. We didn't discuss this on there, but I found an interview with Mike Myers a couple of days ago mm. where he talks about how if Austin Powers is the love letter to his father. Cat in the Hat represents a love letter to his mother because she read him Cat in the Hat as a kid and it's about how she used to tell him stories. Everybody gets a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I get to meet Mike so he makes one for me. (laughs) It was called The Fucktest Comedian I've Ever Met. (laughs) Well, God. Okay, so I The little open micer who could. (laughs) It kind of bummed me out. Well, you've raised a good point. Maybe it is the definitive daddy issues mm. movie for him because I think it's a definitive daddy issues movie. Full stop for the world. This <laughs> is where so everyone obvious. can put everything in there because it's not just about uh, Austin and his dad or Doctor mm-hmm. Evil and his dad. You know, and we talked about it a little bit last time, but there's a Doctor Evil mini me power play yes. with Scott as well. Like everyone is having daddy yeah. issues with everyone. Almost in every character in this movie has a dad. Yeah. An, an on-screen dad. In the yeah. same way that uh, Hamlet has a play within a play, yep. this has a daddy issue within a daddy issue. Yeah. And it's all awesome. awesome. yeah. It's dads all the way down. I've read Shakespeare. All the dads are almost all the same bloke. Like, Mike is a dad and Michael Caine is a dad. And that's it. And then he plays his own sons. No, Vern Troyer is a son. <laughs> yeah, but he's a clone a... of Doctor Evil, yeah, so also, it's just Mini Mike as well. Also, Scott, like Evil, is yeah. not. But yeah, his you're... dad is still yeah, o- his was... dad is still Mike. This Myers. is an indefensible point. His dad, <laughs> his dad is still Mike Myers. That was dumb as hell. Too. Oh, okay, striker from the record. <laughs> <laughs> What you wanted to say was Michael Caine plays the father and Mike Myers plays Austin Powers. But Mike is also the father to two warring sons. Why don't we put you back where you're comfortable and you just start listing the cast from different movies again? <laughs> <laughs> like a security was blanket. The, who, who was the cinematographer on this film? Uh, Dennis Finch. <laughs> <laughs> we find solace in facts. <laughs> I think um, part of the reason this is such a big daddy issues film is because I think he realised he'd trapped himself in a 
in mm. in a genre where he had to eventually address his daddy issues oh, because this is a genre that he and his father loved and mm. it's the comedy that or it's parodying a genre that he and his father mm. loved and it's the comedy that he and his father loved and he'd done it twice and then realized that oh god where There's do no I go with to this turn it in yeah mm. it's like when Louis C.K. talks about how he has to write a new hour every <laughs> year and he's like where can I I can only talk about Chinese restaurants and the Super Bowl for so long <laughs> yeah. and he looks inner and inner and this is what you find in a darkness interestingly this film the original cut of it I read was I three hours long yeah. what? I read that today Whoa! as well <laughs> Jay Roach's darkness what is yeah. this <laughs> Jay Roach's cut is three hours long I would this give film. anything to Wouldn't see that you? cut so you gotta think like what's the original Austin Powers film Matt they're all like 90 minutes yeah they're super quick yeah. right yeah and then this if imagine if it was like oh. 90 minutes oh. 78 minutes and then this or whatever and it was 180 minutes of oh daddy God. issues and comedy like it would that, that that would have been I think the biggest like the the best trick the devil ever pulled it would have been so good <laughs> do you think that what do you think that cut would do to you watching it a not a, a, a three hour text my dad goofy comedy <laughs> yeah, at the very least I think... Uh, How would you know his number? He's just throwing his phone <laughs> <laughs> I can't picture it having any more jokes than it already has. Mm. I think the rest of the film would just be exposition and uh, slightly too genuine musical numbers. I can I, I picture it, would... it having more story, though. Yeah. It's, it's pretty... Like, it's... There are big chunks of time where there's mm. no story. You, could, you want to see them a bit more uh, fish out of water, but the water bowl, etc. That thing in the seventies. You want to yeah. see a little bit more of that. They're mm. barely in the seventies in this. Hey, oh, yeah, there's it's a three minute sequence. You, you, yeah. you probably want to see Beyonce adjusting to a, like modern life as well a bit. Oh, that's yeah. probably why yeah. it's on the cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I reckon I reckon Tom's on something. I reckon there would have been like maybe three or four more songs. Yeah, because you think. There's the rap. There's the daddy wasn't... This literal daddy wasn't there yeah. song. Mm-hmm. There's got to be like... There is another song that was cut from the movie. There was an, I know this for a fact. It's a musical sequence that was cut, which is... It plays during the credits that What's It All About, the Alfie theme song, but it replaces Alfie with Austin. And there's a whole uh, What's It All About Austin sequence where it's after oh the, the breakdown of the relationship between Austin and Nigel where everyone's gone separate ways. And it's a montage that follows every character and they sing along to the song as well. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where the scene in the credits that's discarded of um, number two sitting next to young number two and taking off a wig sadly comes from. And so they recycled some of that into the credits. Yeah, and it's also got Fat Bastard doing a shit on the toilet where he's like, (laughs) what's it all about, Austin? Was that parodying, um, like... Paul Thomas Anderson Magnolia sequence. It must have. It's got a very similar vibe to that kind of thing. I'm glad they cut it. It, (laughs) That is the kind of thing when I watched it after it did hit me and I was like, oh man, this is a last Austin Powers movie and I teared up. That's the way it got me. And you know what? I actually feel like (laughs) after watching this again, I do think it is the last one because I Mm. can't see where Where else it could go. And it's got so many cyclical (laughs) jokes that tie back to the first one, the sharks with the freaking laser beams. Is this also kind Kind of a, a a riff on Indiana Jones. Yeah, I guess so because uh, it's the yeah. same kind of thing where Last Crusade you get uh, Sean Connery to play yada yada yada. Yeah, you know Sean what Connery. I'm saying? Well, like, you know, well, no, no, no. Let's go hands. on with the synopsis. That's your logic. Let's name some other celebrities. If that is your logic. Then what that means is, in about 20 years, yeah. we're going to get another Austin <gasps> Powers. Austin movie. Powers Crystal Skull. Yes. Finally, Austin goes supernatural. Yeah. Yes, that Finally. would be awesome. I think that would be fantastic. Just kidding, guys. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know, that's it's like what? Where could they go from this? Because Scotty Evil becomes the the bad guy now. I think you mm. re- you reset you reset. So obviously, one is the initial parody, mm-hmm. right? Two and two is the extension of the parody. Three is the parody of the parody. Mm-hmm. Four's got to be a reset. It's got to be a reset. You can't parody the parody. You need of the parody. a young Austin. Maybe we could do split Shia LaBeouf. Time on. Shia yeah, LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf yeah. in there resetting the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Austin Powers, like his, it meets up with his son, and, oh, then that, and that's yeah. the, the cycle mm. continues. Oh, God. And then Austin Powers is like the perfect dad now that he's met his son type thing. It's yeah. just Mike writing a film about how good a dad he is. <laughs> is he? Doesn't, doesn't that, that's interesting. Does, how many children does Mike Myers? I have? think he's got two kids, and they're new. They're relatively new. Like he's had them in the last six years or so. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. And he does. Uh, Often talk about how he loves being a dad now. Yeah, mm. and he did call one of his kids Spike Myers after his own dad. <laughs> yeah, do, do you ever? But like, what celebrity have you heard in an interview who's just had two kids be like, "I fucking hate being yeah, a dad." Like, Louis C.K. Louis C.K. And it's actually funny the way he says it. And like, it's know, really, it's yeah. really funny. Like, he's he turns it into a routine. Type, he turns it into a full routine. He's so good. Yeah, he's, he's like, like my kids are awesome. Mister Louis C.K. What's his name? Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Is that, at the end. Is that like S-E-E-K-A-Y? No, no, it's just the letters C-K. What's yeah. it stand for? C-K. C-K. He's like Polish C-K. or some shit and it like yeah. translates to his real name pronunciation. <laughs> he, he actually does a new hour Polish every year. Guy. It's yeah, crazy. It's he does a new hour every year. <laughs> of comedy. Of yeah. stand-up comedy. Of stand-up comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all, really, and it's he writes, produces, directs, edits his own shows. Man, I could talk to you about him for ages. Yeah, he's so good, man. He's so He's actually really funny. Like, talks about his daughters heaps. And they're like, they're two little grubby snot noses is what he says the whole time. And he, but then he, you get the sense that he really does love him. He's got hey, this Alex, incredible he'll... work ethic where he, he <laughs> writes a new hour every year, but he still finds time to jerk off in the comedy stage back room in front of yeah. Jen Kirkman. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. He said it wasn't him. Allegedly. Allegedly. He said it wasn't him. Alexi, oh, yeah. who, was the, who was the cinematographer for Louis? David Finch, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was actually Louis C.K. Yeah, so. he does, does everything. everything so. What he does is he sets the camera up and then just goes, I'm going to go for one, guys, and then <laughs> walks off. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> and then he starts acting. 
And it's actually really good. I never thought I'd say this. I never thought I'd say this, but we need to get back to talking about this. This is my new. All the listeners are gone. Let's just start saying secrets. I killed a man five years ago. I killed a man. Oh well, it doesn't count. It doesn't count if you say it on the podcast. Statute of limitations is up. You get it's only five years. All right, sorry. Let's get back on track. Reset. Reset. We were talking about Scotty Evil. Okay. Scotty Evil and Doctor Evil's relationship. Did we talk about that last time? I think we touched on it. I think uh, it's good. I like the what they've done with it this time around. Which is what? Which is that Scott is now trying to impress Doctor Evil rather than the other way around. Because you got to flip it. Yeah. Yeah, He's not trying to be a cool dad anymore. The son wants to be the evil son with the approval of dad. And I think it's a nice whip. It's an obvious switch, maybe, but I think it's nice because we get to see different dynamics from each of them. And I think the performances are sold so well. Like I think, like I truly do buy. Scotty Evil doing like that physical metamorphosis into his father, like losing the hair oh. and start doing his, the insane laughs. His it, awful laugh is one of the funniest things in this movie for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And him losing the hair and stuff is very funny yeah. as well. Just like there's blood and cuts and stuff, and he's just trying, it's going bald. So, yeah. yeah, great comedy. And I think I love Dr. Evil as a father. I think. Uh, in The Spy Who Shagged Me, it's his relationship with Mini-Me where you start seeing that he does have the love that father is capable of having, like that kind of undeniable, just p- pure love for this little being. And now it's just to see it be placed on his son and to see that dynamic change of Scotty Evil not really knowing what to do with that love as well, I think is... So funny and just also very sweet. Is it ever acknowledged that Michael Caine is Scotty Evil's grandfather in the film? Do, do they ever deal with that dynamic? Because that's quite interesting. Yeah, they never bring it up. Kind of at the end. No, but well, cause, Scotty Bale. Because like, you wouldn't mm. wouldn't you want like that's weird, right? Because now Scotty's evil, but his grandfather has to start that grandfather relationship yeah. with him. Take him on a bushwalk. Yeah, buy him a porno. I don't know. What did your Grandfather's None mother. of those Well my granddad Didn't do that But your granddad Took me on a bushwalk <laughs> And he porno. found the porno yeah. <laughs> Out in the bush Yeah and that was cool yeah. So see at the end of the movie Everyone embraces love But Scotty don't Scotty don't Scotty oh. nepa oh <laughs> How long are you sitting On that for cam? <laughs> oh, about 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest, I was kind of thrown by the granddad thing, but I had to find a way to tie it back in. <laughs> I think I got there by my own secular logic. He, uh, I kind of think um, it's interesting to me because Scotty is the one trying to bridge the gap with his own father mm. in this one. Am I just reading too much into it, or is that is that something that Mike would have had to do with his own dad, who couldn't connect with him in the last oh. years of his life? Oh boy, yeah. You know what? I don't <laughs> oh think boy, there are. Dudes. I like. I don't oh. think there are any Alzheimer's parallels in this mm. film, and that's one of the things that makes it so interesting to me. Is that this is a film about fathers, but it's very much not about Mike's lived experience of losing his father. Mm. Like it's about a father situation, which is all common, and we recognize it. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like the deadbeat dad is a very common trope, but it's none of it is seems to be about Mike's own relationship with his dad. It's just the things that surround it that mm. I think would evoke quite a strong response from Mike, like the Burt Bacharach, mm. the movie genre that he used to love and watch with his dad, and mm. that comedy. Yeah, I kind of agree with Tom. I think the stuff that makes it a, a about Mike Myers' own lived experience is subtextual. It's it's not the actual thing of saying daddy wasn't there mm. because his dad was there it's you know yeah although interesting that i was looking at the lyrics of that uh song 
And it, in that bit where he's sort of listing all the different things where his dad wasn't there, one of them is when I was circumcised. Yeah. <laughs> his dad wasn't there. Yeah. Well, like, how would you n- remember? And also... Unless it was an adult circumcision. And also, why were you circumcised? I don't know. Is Austin well, in the tribe? <laughs> okay, let's try and put this together. So, I know for a fact Mike Myers married a Jewish woman in the early 90s. Uh, Robin Rusin, who did write the Dr. Evil raps in both of the Austin Powers films. Really? She really? wrote them very quickly as well, and that's why they're in there. Very quickly. <laughs> that's a sign of good writing. Yeah, no, but it was, they were all very impressed with how fast you could write these like kind of very skilled rap songs. Uh, <laughs> what do we call well, that? Well, you know, for, you know... For a Jewish woman. Yeah. <laughs> from the perspective of a madman as well. So they're pretty good. I think they're fucking awesome, dude. Dr. <laughs> was my favorite rapper. Dr. was my favorite rapper. My favorite reggae artist is Sebastian the Crab. So I think there's a lot of good. Dr. Art Evil out there. isn't even my favorite rapper who is a doctor. Like- <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of the rap in this? It's oh. real bad. Is it problematic? I don't wow. care if it's, it's problematic yeah, or it's not. Bad. I don't want to have that conversation, but I wish he didn't say nizzle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You texted but, me that earlier saying then, Dr. Evil saying nizzle is a low point in this <laughs> film. But, but again, I keep coming back to this, but I, I keep wondering whether or not Austin Powers... Sorry, sorry. Fuck. Whether Mike Myers writing this film is saying that is the kind of lame rap that Dr. Evil would do because mm. he's trying to be cool. Trying now, to be cool to impress people. We've seen him trying to be cool before yeah. now. But, but I, don't think, I, I, I don't think that it has that level of detachment in this particular rap song. I think Mike Lies literally thinks this is a cool rap song. Well, and I think it's a bit too current day as well for it to be daggy. I, I, I'm, uh, I sort of agree with you, Hing. I think that they had to be aware that he's parodying being cool because you've got him wearing like the furry visor and all this like cliche yes. gangster like gear like west think... coast gangster gear but like i don't think that you got also sorry, they are Cam, pretty impressed you, know, you got to say gangster with an a at the end no i'm don't... saying it with a hard r okay well <laughs> i don't like that um but i also think they're pretty impressed with themselves for coming up with a rap that is kind of technically all right and, and... In, in 2001 mm. rap like Rap was cool. No, in 2001, rap was still like a quote-unquote funny thing for someone to do, right? Yeah. Like a mm. comedy rap was still a thing. Is yeah. this pre-Eminem? It is just... Eminem kind cusp. of breaks 2000, 1999-2000. So, okay. so Eminem is just... This is what I was saying. That I think I'm, I don't know if I talked about this last week, but it's like at the point... So Jay-Z is considered like probably the best rapper of his generation in mm-hmm. that time period, right? He's a rap god. Yes, you know. He refers to himself as Hove, right? Short yeah. for Jehovah, obviously. <laughs> like, then you have Dr. Evil parodying a Jay-Z song yep. in a movie with Jay-Z's wife, Beyonce, mm-hmm. at a time when Eminem, the first massive, big, aggressive white rapper, mm. is coming up. And and so there's this weird challenge well, to... Well, Debbie Harry, the, pretty aggressive, dude, so... Yeah, well, like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but but you, have, you have this, like, challenge to, quote-unquote, the throne of Jay-Z... From, from Eminem, Doctor Evil, yeah, from Eminem in like in like a, in like a in a competitive commercial sense, and then from Doctor Evil in like a comedy parody mm. sense, and it's yeah, really odd. Do you think that Mike Myers cucked Jay Z making this movie? <laughs> Is that what you're getting at? I think he, like honestly, I think he was trying, right? Because he's like he's like singing one of Jay Z's songs. He's there with. Jay-Z's wife, who they're not in a relationship, but obviously they were in a relationship. Yes. Like, it's so dodge. 
It's so dodge. I hate it. <laughs> Do you think as well? I, it's just creepy as fuck. I think the reason why this rap doesn't like um, offend my taste so much is because I think the Britney Spears cameo is far worse than this. Yeah, it's it's much more dated to me. And I mean, the rap thing is really on the nose and very like of its time as well, but. It feel at least it feels sort of it makes sense character wise, but in the mm. middle of the um, Soul Bossa Nova song to drop into Britney Spears's forgotten single boys, yeah. just it's so gross it, and so it, obvious. Is that time. a studio agreement? Do you think is Britney at the height of her powers at this? This is before Britney shows so. her head, right? Yes, that's two thousand seven. I'll never forget that year, bro. I'll never and forget. Famously, Holy shit. Alexi, I'll never forget. Do you forget know any useful facts? <laughs> None whatsoever. Alexi, is it true that she shaved her head to look more like Doctor Evil? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I'll look like my favorite rapper. That'll give me some musical cred down at the down at the, the arias. I hate that boys clip because it's so no one odd. even remembers that song. It's not a but it's not the, a big hit of a song. When was that? Was it of its time? Was it yeah. huge? It must it was everywhere. Have. It was part of the bloody soundtrack of Goldmember. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is it a studio agreement then? It must have been some, because they they. Uh, I, I can't I, picture Mike asking for this. Yeah, what I read was thing, that like, she. It, it's so ham-fisted into this film. Are they making fun because it's in the film? Within I don't the think film, so. no, are they no, making no. fun of the way people ham-fist these fucking songs into. No. Their I think it would have been a matter of them going. You know who would be great to get as another cameo? Britney Spears, mm. and then her people said only if yeah, we have her song this. in because, it. Because yeah. uh, no, you're right. No, that does make sense because that opening sequence is really kind of cool, right? Yeah. Because mm. it has all these massive names you're not expecting. We did talk about it last yeah. week, but then. It's in the best context- Austin Powers movie. <laughs> Austin Pussy. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the lowest point Danny of this DeVito whole film. Danny DeVito is the greatest mini-man. Yeah. He is. No but you're can- right. That, that sequence with Britney is sort of embarrassing and almost undoes the opening sequence. And it's me. because she... Like, Mike says that, like, oh, it's cool she stayed with us for 20 hours through this sequence and she was so game for, you know, messing with her persona. I'm like... What persona are you fucking talking about, bro? Because all she's doing is pretending to be a robot fembot with uh, shooting bloody bullets out of her jubblies. And then, and the then end, it's like kind of like no, almost sexy. Like this is probably the least horniest thing in the movie for me because, you know, Britney Spears, she's an attractive woman, but this is like so, so weird. Like it's so like to have her as this robot person. And, you know, in real life, she's kind of been discovered her persona kind of became someone who's quite down to earth kind of like a tragic figure in real life you know like she's right now living in like Elvis post dying on the toilet phase of her career and for this to have been at like the very height of it all it just doesn't make sense because when Elvis was that big he still had like a persona that he would muck around with but I don't know what you they were trying to do. You could almost say that in this film, Britney passed the torch to Beyonce. Oh, boy, yes. That's it. I think Britney did show that she uh, was fine to play around with her persona because there is a credit scene where it's revealed that she didn't die and is going to fuck Mini-Me. Oh, what? What? <laughs> yeah, I she, forgot about that. I didn't yeah. see yeah. that. She, she, she goes up to... There's a scene. Mini-Me is standing there and she's he's like... Standing, so, he's standing next to a, a Pepsi logo. And sorry, is he in <laughs> Mini-Me outfit or is he in Mini-Austin outfit? He's in Mini-Me hip-hop outfit where he's got okay. the tie-dye down it. Yeah. And so she asks, so is it true what people say about you? And oh. he whispers in her ear and she says, tripod? Oh, Here, okay. Can I give you my number? And then that's the scene. Do you think that's canon? 
Yeah, dude. That's 100% canon, bro. Britney <laughs> Spears that? is alive and she's dating Minnie Me. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Do, does Minnie does it, does Minnie Me hook up with anyone else? Uh, no. He, oh, Beyonce's leg. Yeah, <laughs> he, he humps a few legs. Yeah. He, um, I think in Awesome Powers 2, he humps a giant laser. Right, yes. I don't yes, think that counts. Great. Yeah. That's a great bit. But, is it, um, Tom? Is it? <laughs> no matter what, that bit makes me laugh really hard when he hits it. All right, he let's talk, let's talk about things that we uh, liked this time around about this movie. And can I go first? Yes. Because last time you guys made fun of me a little bit for saying that I liked all the mole stuff. Mm-hmm. And this time I watched it. I didn't laugh except for... The very last mole gag where number three is just standing there and then you see a stick come in to the frame and then it cuts to the wide and Austin is poking the mole with a stick from like a meter and a half away. That's really funny because I feel like that's the broadest Mike has ever been is in that scene, like doing the double takes of the mole there. Yeah. Very funny. It's really broad and it's such a it's such a dumb gag that he would have to go grab a (laughs) stick from somewhere and then come back. And poke him with it. I thought it was funny. I don't care. I don't care what you guys think. It's I really think, dumb. I think that's great. Tommy, was there something that you laughed this time? This time around, I laughed really hard at the mole. Yeah. Yes! Oh, Everyone's God. coming back! Every mole bit. I was like, this timing is so funny. Yeah. And everything Mike's doing is really good. I caught myself laughing because I've taken a viewing it now in a slightly different way. And I'm viewing it, looking at it, and thinking about what's in the script. Mm-hmm. And I saw uh, Goldmember. Uh, I laughed at the line, I love gold. Mm. Because I was like, that is the perfect line reading for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is the best that line will ever be. No he one is, can say it better. I love yeah. gold! It's such a nothing line. And that's the thing. Mike can really spin something funny out of something half-assed. Really uh, yeah, and no one is doubting his like skill as a performer. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's intoxicating to watch. The other thing I laughed at, just and one last thing, because I find I laugh so much in this mm. movie, and I find that really strange. But here we are. Um, was fat bastard hanging in the wires, and there's one shot where it's a still shot mm. of fat bastard's chest as he's spinning, and he rotates slowly yeah. into shot, and he says, "Well, this is magical." <laughs> I, I, I see. I, I'm kind of back where we were last time. I think that fat bastard sequence with the pulleys and the rise is, is a low point mm. for this movie because it really breaks yeah. the world. The rest of it is yeah. no good for me. But for some reason, fat bastard <laughs> Mike Mike saying specifically, "Well, this is magical," sarcastically yeah. and just with one look in his eyes. I mean, really got if, me. if they'd committed and he'd said it in Mike Myers' voice rather than fat bastard voice, maybe I don't know. But I think the whole Japan sequence is really it's quite flat. It's kind of and it just feels kind of out of nowhere because in the past Austin films we've only been in England or America or mm. space mm. I think <laughs> which, is a, which is a type of America really yeah exactly <laughs> and I think that Japan is just kind of a bit esoteric for them to choose I also think there's no personality given to Japan in this movie because it's all shot in 
doors Studios. on stages. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're it's, mostly apartment or generic lab mm. settings. It's literally, what happened was literally they were like, we need Fat Bastard again. It wouldn't be funny if he was a sumo. Totally. Let's reverse yeah. engineer it from that. And, and also Mr. Roboto to have that gag. Let me well. tell you, oh, Mr. Roboto, I want to get into this because we didn't touch it last time. The, like, I think the whole Japanese sequence fails because of Mr. Roboto. Why? The guy's not an actor. Do you know who he is? Who? No. He's Nobu. He's the creator of the Nobu restaurant with Robert De Niro. He's a sushi chef. What? Yeah. What? Why? That Why was a professional sushi <laughs> chef? <laughs> yes. They... He's like one of the great modern day chefs. And they got him in there. And the only other credit he's in movie-wise is in the Robert De Niro and Scorsese film Casino. Is As he himself? Yeah, basically. Is, I he, think plays he plays a sushi plays, chef or something? No, I think he plays like a Japanese... They're called whales, where they're like the big cash cows at the right. casino. But he makes a point to loudly say, I got this money from sushi. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just I like, love sushi! <laughs> please, no boost. Please I, stop riffing. I think stop adding sushi so, lines. I think it's so bad. Like, I, why wouldn't you just cast a, a funny bloke in, this, in the role? It's sort of just Robert De Niro's mate that you've hung out with a few times. Yeah, he doesn't have a hell of a lot of charisma He's on got screen. no personality. And I sort of think the they were clearly hoping that the set piece with the misread subtitles that was, was going to be like, you know, one of their iconic no, scenes. That's and it's funny, funny because in the Leonard Moulton review, he describes that as a highlight. Wow. I think it's a low point. I think it's aged really badly, that scene, because to me, the timing is way off. Mm. Like, yeah. I think there's so much <laughs> air left in there for you to laugh in, but now... That's not funny anymore because it's kind of like we've seen it a little bit now. Yeah. It's done almost better in Wayne's World because it serves a character purpose. It's when done like- way better in Wayne's World. And also, it's done better even earlier in this film when they do the Cockney rhyming slang yeah. you know, and the a, subtitles. It, it, it's yeah. the same. It's the, basically that pullback and reveal gag that he does actually in the very first Austin Powers opening, I think, where he's naked and there's like. Hiding his dick behind her. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the same kind of gag, It's right? the same kind of but gag. But the thing is, here, where, where their missteps are, is they outsource the timing to this guy, who is yep. not an actor but a sushi chef, and Beyonce, who is an oh. actor in this movie and nothing else. Oh, God. Uh, like that, her- Dream Girls, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Who's the videographer on that? That's Dennis Finch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I got a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hate the old guard, man. When are they going to step aside? <laughs> These fucking union rules, man. Let us young guns in. Huh? But yeah, like all the timing in this scene and the Mister the Mister Roboto scene is so useless. Mm. If you watch it, like I was watching it today. And I realised I was watching Austin Powers in Goldmember in a food court, and I was like, "This is a no good." Yeah. How were you doing that on your phone? On my laptop. Oh right, I thought you oh, were like dude. streaming it somewhere off Netflix or whatever, oh. wasting your data on this. <laughs> um, no, uh, the that scene is so short, and nothing happens. Mm. They go in, they ask for something, and then he says, "Well, maybe I should speak English. I can't help you. I have another appointment now." Gets up and leaves. Yeah, I can't. I don't even know what the point of the Mr. Roboto character is. I can't even remember what plot device he serves. I know he gets killed by the. He makes the satellite, I think. Yeah. Oh, right. I just he think makes the key. Uh, he make yeah. The problem do, do with the Japan a- sequence for me is it's too many recycled jokes. Not only from mm. other Austin Powers movies, but even from this movie mm. like there's the the scene where he has to piss to make it look like <laughs> that's the funny is come on dude okay that is funny <laughs> that's funny but it's a it's a callback to the first movie where he did the long piss yeah in the you know 
on freezing Well, that's scene. what we know about Austin is he's got a humongous bladder. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, I can deal true. with that. But then the next joke after that is he stands behind the statue and it looks like he's pissing into the guard's mouth. Yeah, that's not great. And that feels like a throwback to the shadow scene from yeah. part two. But then the next gag oh, in man. this is the shadow <clears throat> joke again. So it's just like three... It's not the next gag. It's a little further down yeah, the line. It's like a minute or two later. It's like 10 minutes. Dude, I don't think so. I've saw the three hour cut, dude. It's 10 <laughs> minutes later. But I see those gags, I can kind of forgive. I think they're funny. I think they're cool. Mm. I think they're sexy. <laughs> but I, I I don't know. That's I think the Japan stuff, it's a bit of a low point because there's no character to it all. The only character is that we see Mount Fuji in the background of every shot. That's kind of funny, but it doesn't read straight away as a gag. Why do you think that's funny? Because it's showing that this is like, it's making fun of how low budget they're, that they're not shooting on location kind of thing is. And I think it's not laugh out loud funny, but it's humor. I would say maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll correct myself saying it's not funny, but it's humor. It's sort of, it's, I guess it's showing that this is not reality. Mm. This is a sort of it's a fake Japan or whatever, because uh, it kind of reminds me of that fucking Mr. Accident movie, mm. Yahoo Serious, <laughs> who is Australia's Mike Myers, I would yeah. say. Um, and every, almost every scene in that movie has the Harbour Bridge in the background of it, no matter where they are mm. in Sydney. It's just an easy gag. I would, it's, I, I'll talk about my, maybe one of my biggest low points is a right at the end of the movie, Fat Bastard Losing Weight is real... That's um. I hate the look of that character not being fat, <laughs> and that Jared from Subway reference yeah. has not aged well. That's who like almost the last boy. line of the movie. <laughs> but who do you think will be a better mascot for Subway right now? Like Jared's not in the picture. I mean, Fat Bastard is a known murderer, but he's probably a better probably mascot just for them. Fat Bastard's neck skin would be a better. <laughs> it's just mascot. so upsetting to look at. It's it's, it's no real good. upsetting. And can it's I say so this? Bad. I hate the vagina line. What's the vagina line? Where he says, my it's neck like the, looks like a vagina. Oh. Can you do an impression of it? No, I was just going to say, it's like it's the line <laughs> that leads you up to... Like, uh, there's two flaps, and then in the middle there's the line. <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> I hate you. Um, I hate that line where he says, my neck looks like a vagina. It's such a sour note to end this movie on, which is... <laughs> It's such a, like, gross body-shaming line to be, like... But, like, that's what the character is, though. Yeah, he's gross. But, but the character is just, ah, fat people. Lol. <laughs> I Imagine think... if people found them sexual or attractive in some way. That'd be confronting. Yeah. Lol. I think yeah, the I only humour that lies in Fat Bastard here is where he gets, like, super sincere, where he's like, you know, I've had a hard life being fat, and then straight away takes it back. That's funny, but... I hate can I can that. I can I share something with you guys? Yes, quite may, of course. That uh, let's say I don't know a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. So before before this podcast was in my life, mm-hmm. and you know, and uh, again I am sorry. <laughs> my my girlfriend and I were uh, getting intimate yes, one evening, baby. shagging, and then she said to me, I think one of the funniest things that's ever been said, she said in the fat bastard voice, get in my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, oh, and I immediately God. lost my erection because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us on Mic Check. I reckon there's not much else left to say there. Shall we try and check this movie? How do we feel about it today? Okay, I feel like this is the definitive Daddy Issues film of Mm -hmm. Mike Myers. I feel like he's resolved his issues with this one. Unfortunately, I do know 
that the next stage includes the love guru, which was him dealing with spirituality and yeah. his feelings of loneliness and the universe. So there's still some sadness there, yeah. but I feel I feel happy if this is the final Austin Powers movie. Until Crystal Skull, obviously. <laughs> Crystal Dildo? <laughs> Tom? <laughs> uh, I... I... I don't think this is a good movie, mm-hmm. but I like it and I'd recommend people to watch it. Mm. I think it's a bad film, but I really enjoy it yep. a lot. Alexi? I think this is not a good movie, but it's a good m- movie for sure. I think it's best watched five times in a row. Just got to <laughs> just watch it in really short, like just really short breaks in between it, and that's when you can truly appreciate it and find it really funny. This is like how uh, the French would eat the ortolan, only by <laughs> yeah. drowning it in wine and then putting it in your mouth hole. Yeah, but you yeah. need to do it while wearing a hood. Yeah, so the best no way to watch ever. Goldmember is to set yourself up under a screen, experience a personal tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think this I have to clockwork orange this movie I think generally this is the most I've enjoyed this movie now is by watching it 12 times in 2 years I think I didn't never really cared for it much in my adolescence I always thought it was the weakest Austin Powers movie still obviously the weakest one but I've found strength in myself through watching this over and over again and I think it's great I think it's genuinely I think it's really funny it's excellent there's some flab in it but you don't have to remember it afterwards wow <laughs> wow awesome uh, Michael and, um, look all I have to say is get in my <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen please get in Michael Hing's pussy if you can <laughs> I don't know how maybe you can do that over Twitter at Hingers Somehow there's a way It to made go. you horny. That's awesome, dude. That's so That's all we could hope that's for. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> Guys, do you want to plug anything apart from Hing's girlfriend's pussy? <laughs> <laughs> she listens to this podcast. She listens to this podcast. Sorry, huh? <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> Sorry, she, she listens to this podcast. <laughs> she said to me several times, I really like that podcast. It's one of the few comedy podcasts I really enjoy. Oh, no. Oh, does she think this is a comedy podcast? <laughs> this is actually quite serious. I take my research very seriously. Yeah. This is actually a long meta project of two idiots falling into disrepair. Can you guys please tell us, tell the people what they should check out of yours? Uh, I'm in uh, Adelaide Fringe. Uh, I'm there for the whole month, so come see my show, Bebo. Uh, and I'm also bringing it to Melbourne Comedy Festival and Sydney Comedy Festival. So Fabulous, darling. Catch me there, baby. Um, Groovy baby, shagadelic. Can you imagine if Austin Powers was a monk in the Catholic Church? I think his chance would go a little bit like this. this. Uh, I have my comedy special is up on the ABC iView right now. Uh, if you search Michael Hing, there you better find that. And uh, is it? I don't know, there's a new series coming out at SBS that I don't fucking know what it is yet. But we filmed portions of it, and it's about me doing comedy in regional towns, and it's real fucked, all the gigs have been fucked. So hopefully that'll be funny, because you're all anti-comedy lovers who just want to see me fail, so oh. maybe that'll be funny. I don't fucking know, man. That sounds I awesome. I want that so bad. That sounds so I great. I hope this goes well. The first... The just f- kidding. The first, <laughs> <laughs> the first ep involves me doing, uh, like, trying to do, like... In, in a city stand up in front of a town full of uh, Indian Sikh migrants and Indian Sikh locals in Wulguga. Yep. And let me tell you, it's in an RSL and it is. Uh, what's the opposite of Malto Bene? It's <laughs> Nolto bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who played play StarCraft 2? Oh. Yeah, I'm getting it's, anxious just thinking about oh it. I can't boy. wait to check that hey, out. Hey, we've also got Melbourne Comedy Festival coming up. Yep, I'm doing my show in Perth Fringe, Brisbane Comedy Festival, and the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, you can search for that, or you can find tickets on alist.com. Cameron James, the show's called 88. It's very fun. Come and check it out. Groovy, babe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And if all this time later I still didn't know the catchphrase. <laughs> Groovy, babe, yes. Uh, guys, at the end of this podcast, uh, stay tuned. I'm going to play a little special interview that our friend Eddie Sharp conducted with one of the actors that played Austin Powers' father Farger. in this film. Mr. Scott Ockerman, who plays his dad in the flashback sequence when he takes a piss and you just see the back of his head. <laughs> What? Yeah. That's Scott Ackerman? Yeah, does Scott Ackerman created a comedy bang bang. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I want to hear this. There'll God. be a two minute interview with Scott Ackerman at the end of this episode. I saved it till the end. Maybe I'll say it at the start of the podcast. You too. should definitely say it at the start of the yeah. podcast. Nobody has gotten through us plugging <laughs> our shit. <laughs> and, um, ladies and gentlemen, you can give us five stars on iTunes. And if you, in your review, if you could leave us the title for another very super specific actor based podcast, we will do a spin-off episode of that maybe one day. We got a new one in today, five stars from Me Tit. <laughs> they said Austin translation. And they would like us to do You and Me Forever, the films of Ewan McGregor. Oh wow. I like how that almost rhymes. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Guys I, wait, sorry. Did I tell no, you no, that? Wrap it up, just wrap it up. Saying goodbye now. Oh. Goodbye, babies. Bye-bye. <laughs> Last time this fucking podcast ruined my life because someone said that I had the same voice as Judith Lucy. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, but that's, that's true. You've known that for years. No. Bye. See ya. I've been doing some research on you, and it's uh, you famously played uh, the back of Michael Caine while he was taking a leak in Austin Powers' gold member. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you do to get into that role? It's an interesting story. I, I auditioned mm-hmm. for the role. Uh, I was told that I was going to be playing the young Michael Caine in Goldmember. Right. I worked up a Michael Caine impression, of which I do not remember as it was 15 years ago at least. Uh-huh. I went and auditioned. <laughs> I, I got the role. Yeah. I went to the studio to meet... Mike Myers and Jay Roach, um, Jay Roach is the director of the film, uh, before shooting to talk to them about the role. And I talked to them, just chatted with them. They, we have mutual friends uh, and they knew what Mr. Show was. So I chatted with them for about 20 minutes and then they said, all right, well, um, turn around. <laughs> and I thought this was some sort of weird show business thing. Like, oh, like what am I turning around for? Yeah, I, I turned around and they said, that'll be perfect. And I didn't know what they were talking about. Um, I got to the set and found out that they were cutting in scenes of the actual young Michael Caine yeah. to use in the movie, and all I was going to be was the back of his head. And so you really prepped. I, was, I thought, I was kind of joking. I, you, so you did really I prep. actually did prep for it, and then it, it was very surprising. That's not the only time that something like that has happened to me in show business. I once got cast in a commercial, yeah. and I auditioned, I improv for it, and I was like, I came out of the... the, the the audition, I went, I nailed that. Like, I was so funny in that. I rarely think that. Yeah. Uh, I got the role, and when I got to the commercial, they said, okay, you're going to stand in the background and push this box back and forth. <laughs> and I realized I was just an extra in the commercial. Was it, oh, you're right. It sounds like a law and order sort of setup.
It actually does. Just yeah. like, you know, while someone gives some information. All right, yeah, sure, I saw her, but I didn't kill her. <laughs> it's my check, it's my check, the podcast that Mike buys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.